man, it's warm in here. And um, if you say it's comfortable and you're like Gina or anyone else here, that then you know it's hot. Because um, this place, I don't know why I'm telling you this. It has nothing to do with what we're doing. But um, the temperature here is impossible. So when the, the heat out there is not the same heat that's in here. So the heat out there, we finally got it going by just shooting it up. Well, the heat pours into here. And then when the heat's on in here, it makes it, makes it double hot. So I can tell you're not interested, but I just wanted you to know. So welcome to the Remnant Main Style and Pastor here. I am genuinely very, very excited because this is my, fir- my favorite series. We just finished the Kingdom series, and I kinda, we kind of talked about a little segue. It's called Walking with Jesus. What is that? Well, we proverbially, symbolically, dare I say, truly, Walk with Jesus uh, as we go through the Gospels. We do a different Gospel every year. This year, we're on to what has typically been my favorite Gospel. I don't know why. Uh, the Gospel of John. I think it's... Uh, actually, that's not true. The first one I ever read was Matthew. So, John. And I realized, I was telling them, I remember Emma was mocking me that I always talk about the Gospel of John, which is true. So, all these years, I have avoided doing the Gospel of John for Walking with Jesus series. I have avoided it. It is the last one we have never done. Uh, we've never done it, so that's what we're going to do, and it really is my favorite series, and it's what it's all about, guys. Um, it's the subject I like to talk most about. It's the reason that I do this. It's the reason I'm standing here. It's the reason this church is here. Um, honestly, I was talking to some friends, the Remnant House guys, the interns, this week through our chat, online chat. It was like three in the morning. I couldn't sleep. Big surprise. And... Uh, AJ, I think, was the only one up at that time, so it's unfortunate he's caught the bug not sleeping, but I kind of told him, man, my heart that day, I I went to the gym, actually, it was later than that, Um, I went to the gym, I couldn't sleep, guy came out, man, a certain song came on um, called My Desire by Jeremy Camp, have you ever heard that song? This is my desire, no, okay, look it up, and there's a a part that says, um, all my life, where you've taken me, I can't remember all the words now, um, beyond all I hope for, things unseen, and it's essentially not done. And then he said, all I can offer are my hands. Like, just take my hands. And that's the truth of what started this whole thing for me. I did not want to do a church. I didn't, I've shared that many times because I was rebellious and thought I, you know, you don't have to be, go to church to be a Christian, which is true, but Christians go to church. And I just wanted to talk about Jesus. That's my heart, guys. I, uh, that's the, my true heart. I am not perfect. I am not, man, I, half the time I don't even know what I'm doing. But, man, do I just love talking about Jesus. Uh, everything gets really cloudy, even in our faith, you know. Because there's certain, we tend to talk about the things that we all have opinions on, right, the gray areas. Just We, we kind of look for the areas that Jesus didn't specifically talk about, right, and we want to debate about it. You know, cigars. He doesn't talk about cigars. You know, just ridiculous things. And, um, but man, and it can get cloudy, and you can get caught up in that, and you can get caught up in the words like doctrine and the words like policy and you know your theological stance and blah blah blah, blah you know, and Calvinism and Reformed and Arminianism. And if you don't know what any of that means, that's probably good. Um, it can get blah, blah, right. And but Jesus is not like that. When I, you know, I, I didn't grow up in the church, I've said that many times. I don't say that, by the way, as a badge of honor. I say it as a, God is a miracle worker. 
Like I just, I literally shouldn't be in church. I just, it's the way it is. And a big part of the reason is the Jesus that I was shown and told about, and I mean this, was not, I truly, I make a joke about it, but I thought Jesus was there to teach people how to be fake and then hate the people that were real. That's what I thought. That's, that's what teenage Todd thought all the way up to 17 or whatever. And I mean that. I, I wouldn't have told you that. But that's what I thought. It was the rich man's religion um, in my town. Very similar to this town, right? It's fairly affluent. I didn't know that at the time. Um, yeah, I just, that's what it was. Um, I remember I've told a story before. My, grand, my grandfather, they were Christians. My grandfather, his brothers and sisters. So sometimes when I would stay with him, Papaw, that's what I called him. He, uh, they would get together and they play that holy, holy ghost music. I don't know if you, if you're from the south, you know what that is. And uh, man, they would get, they would get down. But they're talking about the Holy Ghost. Well, when you are five to ten years old and they're saying the ghost is in here, that's terrifying. Literally, I promise you. I remember telling my grandmother, my mama, after they, I think it was in the middle of them singing and worshiping, and it was so surreal as a kid because you're going, "Why are you happy? You told me there's a ghost here." And you were happy about it. And there was a really cool moment that I don't talk about a lot. Is I remember her pulling me to me and just all she said was, they're not that kind of ghost, right? And, you know, they had the creepy picture. I mean, it is a creepy picture. That one where he's never, he just follows you with his eyes. Uh, you know what the one I'm talking about. And that was that, they had that, man. And they would talk about blood and ghosts. And I didn't know what that meant. So my whole life I kind of just avoided it. And, uh, you know, not to go too much into my story again, but when I was saved, and I say this for you guys, I do. I say this because, listen, don't take my word for it. When I was saved, I prayed a prayer in a church I never returned to, never went back one time. They didn't ask me to. They gave me a Bible. You know, I had a card in it. Um, they took me in a back creepy room, a bunch of people, because I raised my hand, and we prayed. And I was different. It was real. They gave me this Bible called the New Believer's Bible. I think it had Proverbs and the New Testament. Nobody taught me how to read it, so I started at the beginning, but the Proverbs was weird to me, so I skipped to the book of Matthew because I understood the name Matthew, and I read it. And the thing is, guys, and I mean this, that Jesus was different than I had ever heard. And I always tell that story because, hey, I'm in America. You know, I have Christians in my family. I grew up in a, a churched city, right, just like Midwest America. We, we are blessed in that, um, but it's also challenging in the sense that we think everyone knows. I didn't know. And when I met Jesus, that's it. And I promise you, it's not just a pastor story, right? Everybody's got their pastor. That's not what it is, man. It just got me. Who is this guy? <laughs> what is he? What does this mean? This is nothing what I thought. What is he talking about? Poor. Like he seems to care about the people no one likes. That is not what I thought. I thought he was for the popular people and on and on. And he was and is different than this world tells us. So if you're in this room, and maybe even your faith is dry, you've been a believer, you know, a long time. See, that's, that's the only problem with you long-time believers, man. You think you know everything. Me too. I get caught up in that. And then you stop listening and hearing. And, uh, man, it's real. And that's why I get so excited. So I'm going to stop being so passionate and looking angry because I'm not really. I'm just going to be very happy because that's really what I feel. And I want you guys to understand how awesome Jesus Christ is and what he does for your life because it's real. And if you don't believe me, the primary, many of you will like this. This is not my thoughts. We're going to read the Bible, read what Jesus did, and talk about it. That's it. That's the gist of it. And um, 
So if you've been here, that, that's it. And that's what gets me excited. And that's my heart. And so I guess all of that to say, I am very excited because I get to do the thing that made me want to do this to begin with. So I hope you get excited too. But I'm going to say this. If you're from the remnant, you know this phrase. And if you're not, it's going to seem very strange. Take your Christian earmuffs off right now. Those are the ones that say, I already know every story. <laughs> and you know the point because you've heard 50 sermons and they're all good, right? And so you put them on and you just smile and you're like, man, tacos are going to be good. Right? I can't wait. Or if you're going really, there's a darker side of that. You put your Christian earmuffs on and then what you spend your time doing during the sermon is critiquing. Right? You, you want to point out what I didn't teach right. Listen, you're going to find it. Um, but you should look for the truth in his words. Spend your time looking for that. So, exciting times. I hope you come every single week. By the way, I know I'm rambling, prefacing. This is a great time to invite people. It's a great time to invite family and friends because they get to just hear about Jesus, the story. So if you've got someone, you've been like, man, Lionheart, guys, so you this should already happen. Great time to invite people. People will come one time because you ask them. I'm telling you, friends and people will come one time because you ask them. After that, you just let, let it go and let God do his thing. Okay? Make sense? Are you awake with me? No? Dang. You guys want to know an embarrassing story when I started this church that I just reminded? Those that were here early may remember this. So one time, remember, I, I don't know what I'm doing, and uh, I didn't. So it was a day where everybody was kind of out of it, and um, <laughs> this is embarrassing. I made everyone stand up, and I did. I don't know how they did. They thought I had authority. And then I made them do this clapping game, <laughs> like, and they had to, like, Simon says, so we all, like we do in worship, and I made the entire congregation do that. Can you imagine that? Uh, there were a lot of angry people, but they did it. Um, boy, isn't it great I don't do that anymore? So, so I hope you're awake. <laughs> so, um, today in the Gospels, if, you, if you've been here lately, we talked about the kingdom of God for a long time, I think two months. And a lot of our time was spent in the Beatitudes and what he said after, and he talked about the kingdom. And interestingly, not intentionally, we're going to see a section where Jesus, once again, one of the hundred times he mentions the kingdom of God. And we're going to talk about, um, so we're going to pick up the story. This actually happens right before, well, in the Gospel of John, he, the Sermon on the Mount. Okay, it's kind of setting up. So this is early on in Jesus' ministry, and Jesus did his first big miracle, right? He turns water to wine. You've heard the story. Right after that, we get the story that he, went, he goes back to the temple, and everyone hears this story. He drives out. The people selling things in the temple with a quote from the Bible, whip of cords. Right? And this guy drives them out. And uh, we see that the Pharisees and religious leaders, I'm going to define that briefly, they're not happy about this. <laughs> Who is this guy? He just shows up. Now, they had heard of the miracle. How do I know that? Because afterwards it says many people began to believe in him because they had heard of the signs he was performing. Signs of wonders. You get what I did last week? So... They have heard about this. So already this guy's getting a little bit of a following. Then he shows up with this little bit of a following and starts driving people out of the temple. Um, and this is clearly angering to the religious leaders of the time. So as we go on, you're going to hear words like Pharisees and Sadducees. These were uh, religious groups within the Jewish faith who had power and authority. They were priests, um, and they had, particularly the Pharisees and Sadducees, it acts like they're buddies, Sometimes when you read, they weren't buddies. They had complete opposite views of Scripture. So put it simply, the Pharisees believed in the, in the letter of the law. The way that it was written is the way that it was done to the dot. The Sadducees, um, 
not, not so much. And then we talk about the, the teachers of Israel. It'll mention things like that. Anytime it says something like that, it's a position. It's a high position. It's a priest who's well-respected. Okay? Um, you're going to hear things like that. And a lot of times, these are the people that come and challenge Jesus. Before he, They're the people who dislike him first before we all killed him. Right? And the reason is very simple. He was a threat to their priestly authority. You know, during this time, a lot of people would rise up and claim to be the Messiah. So you might wonder why the Romans cared. They would be people who claimed to be the Messiah that would lead little mini-revolutions. They would try to overthrow. And so the Roman Empire was used to this happening. So the Pharisees sort of used it, the Sadducees, all these people later on would use this to their advantage. So Jesus is starting to get a following. One other thing to note, we have, no, we have every indication that they saw some of these signs and wonders, these miracles. Right? We know that because they would say, hey, you heal people by the devil. They saw things happening. So a lot of times I think, you know, I was just talking to someone, man, if I just saw God move in the way that I wanted to move, I would believe. We wouldn't, though. So that's what happens. He drives them out, and then he goes home, wherever that is, not his actual home, and he's staying somewhere, and a man named Nicodemus comes to Jesus. All right, so we're going to pick up the story there. There was a man, uh, we'll start uh, John chapter 3, verse 1, and starting at verse 1. There was a man from the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to him at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher. For no one could perform these signs you do, remember I just told you, unless God were with him. All right, go back there real quick. So he, we see that Nicodemus, what do we know about him? He's a Pharisee, I just told you. He's a powerful man. But on top of that, uh, he, he is what? It says in verse 1, it says, There is a man from the Pharisee, so he's a Pharisee, a ruler of the Jews. Go back to verse 1, guys. There we go. <laughs> a ruler of the Jews. So what is that saying? That is saying not only was he a Pharisee, they were respected. Within the Pharisaical priestly branch, he was elite. He was a leader. A ruler of the Jews. So he shows up to Jesus. What do we know about him? It says he shows up, go on to verse 2. He comes to him at night and says, Rabbi. He gives Jesus a term of respect. You are a teacher. That is a term of endearment of respect. So he is acknowledging him, a Pharisee, a ruler of the Jews, is calling this man a teacher. What does that tell us? Well, it tells us this. Nicodemus was different than the other Jewish leaders. He had to be. Okay? He recognized, and I don't get the sense like we do other times where they're being sarcastic, right? There's no one around to impress. He comes to Jesus and calls him teacher. Then he says, I know the things you've been doing. No one could do that unless God were with him. He recognizes that Jesus has some sort of authority. He recognizes that God's with him. And he recognizes that Jesus is not just your typical teacher. We all on the same page? That makes him different. But here's the thing. He comes to him in the middle of the night. Why? What? Yeah, he doesn't want to be seen with him. Makes sense, right? He's a man who has a high position. Why would you want to be seen with a troublemaker? This is important. He came in the cover at night because he didn't want to be seen with Jesus. Why? You said he's probably afraid. By the way, we could be like, oh man, how could he be afraid if he knew? How many times do you hesitate to speak up and say, I'm a Christian? 
right? Do you assimilate with the crowd you're in or do you stand out? Because we're no different in those moments. But here's the thing. Yeah, he came in the cover night. Yeah, he didn't want to be seen with Jesus probably because he was afraid. But he came. He came to Jesus. Pick up from there. Uh, verse 3, right? Verse 2? Yeah, 3. Jesus replied, I assure you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. There it is again. Unless, I assure you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So now we have another way. I think I mentioned this at the beginning of the kingdom. You want to go to the kingdom of God? Do you want to go? Listen, in this room, you can't just be a good person. I, don't, I go to church. I go to church. I'm a good person. No, you have to be born again. We all just kind of go, yeah, that makes sense. You have to be born again. You can't even see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. But how can anyone be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked him. By the way, you would think the same thing. <laughs> can he enter his mother's womb a second time and be born? That's a great question. Right? Am I going to crawl in my mind? That's a gross picture, right? And come out again. <laughs> and <clears throat> Jesus answered, I assure you, this guy is trying to guess every time. I assure you, unless someone is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Unless someone is born of water and the Spirit. This is one of those verses we kind of just rumble through, right? Unless he is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Okay, we'll move on. Verse 6 says, whatever is born of the flesh is flesh. And whatever is born of the Spirit is spirit. Okay, keep going. Do not be amazed that I told you, you must be born again. Don't be shocked. The wind blows where it pleases and you hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born in the Spirit. You don't have to understand why. It doesn't change reality. You don't need to see the wind. You don't need to know where it comes from to know it exists. It's a fact that you accept, and this is the same way. This is a fact. It doesn't matter if it makes sense to you. So many times we get caught up in that. Why? This doesn't make any sense. Why did God have to die? All these things. It doesn't matter. Reality is reality. Do not be amazed, verse 7, that I told you you must be born again. The wind blows it where it pleases and you hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Hmm. What's analogies? You hear its sound. You don't know where, it's go you don't know where it comes from. You don't know where it's going. <laughs> so those that are born of the Spirit, you, you don't have to know. Understand. Then he goes, and then Nicodemus says the question we all, if we're honest, ask. How can these things be? Asked Nicodemus. And then Jesus has this interesting reply. He says, are you a teacher of Israel and don't know these things? Jesus replied, no. This is a big, this is something I think we don't think about. So Nicodemus is not dumb. Okay? Nicodemus, I don't believe, is being sarcastic. I believe he genuinely is saying, this doesn't make any sense to me. So let's think through this. Why would Jesus expect, why would he say, you're a teacher of Israel and you don't get this? Teacher of Israel means you should know, right, what would the teachers of Israel know? Would they know the New Testament? No, it didn't exist. <laughs> right, it was happening now. They knew the Old Testament though, right? They knew the Torah, they knew all of that. They knew the law, so why does it matter? There's... Let's think this through. So why would he expect him to understand something like unless someone is born again? He, he, the implication here is how, are you, how do you not get what I'm saying when you're supposed to be a teacher of Israel? Then he says unless someone is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. He expects 
in some way that Nicodemus would understand what he's saying. There's an, right? There's an expectation here. You should know what I'm saying because you know the Old Testament. Now, before we go on, there's a lot of interpretations of what Jesus meant by water and the Spirit. It's confusing. How many in here, right, and this is, raise your hand, have been told or taught that has to do with baptism. Being baptized in water, right? Yeah. How about those that have heard it's the idea of being of natural birth versus spiritual birth? Yeah. All right, I'm about to, I'm about to challenge you here. Natural birth versus spiritual birth. That's a decent, I, I, that's a possibility, except it still wouldn't necessarily make sense of why he would think Nicodemus would know that. There's no mention, right, in the Old Testament, there's no concept of being born again, right, of being reborn. There's, there's we'll get to it, I almost ruined it. So it still doesn't mean, stay with me, baptism. Well, how would Nicodemus, a Pharisee raised in the Jewish tradition, know that, how could he be expected to know about water baptism that wasn't even being practiced by the Christians yet? They know about baptism of John the Baptist. He wouldn't have connected that. that do, you, do you get what I'm saying? I don't believe he would, Jesus would have expected him to know that. So I give you a third possibility. This teacher of Israel means he knew the Old Testament. Yes, can we agree? The Pharisees would have known it Cover to cover, word to word, every jot and tittle, right? If you know what that is, every little mark. Oh, gonna, I think you're going to like this. I do. Don't put it up yet, guys. Let me. So in the book of Ezekiel, God speaks to Ezekiel, and like he many times does, is saying, Israel, you have turned away from me so many times. You have essentially taken advantage of the position I've given you, of the covenant I've made with you, calling them out, right? These things are going to happen. Ezekiel, I'm getting goosebumps. You ready? Are you ready? Because I'm excited. This is good. Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 24 through 27. God says this to them. Listen, God says this to the Jewish people. He says, I will also sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will place my spirit within you and cause you to follow my statutes and carefully observe my ordinances. 600 years before Christ was born, The prophet, God speaking through the prophet Ezekiel says there's coming a time. You have not listened to me. You have taken advantage. You don't realize what I've given you. But I'm going to call people from other nations. That's what he says. And I'm going to bring them together. And I'm going to do something you don't expect. I'm going to cleanse them. Right? I'm going to cleanse. I'm going to, for I will take from the nations and gather you from all countries. All of a sudden now, you is no longer Israel by the country. Right? Think about this, because he's talking to the Israelites, but now he says you. He's not going to call, right? I will take you from the nations, gather you from all the countries, and you will bring and bring you into your own land. We know that. Israel happens. I will, the country, I will sprinkle clean water on you. Now we have this shift, which prophecy can be this way, guys. I can't get into that right now, but the idea of what prophecy is, the current time versus the future. I mean, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all impurities and all your idols, and I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will place my spirit within you and cause you to follow my statutes and carefully observe my ordinances. You know what's interesting about in you? They would have known the concept of the spirit of God coming on people, but coming in people, that, that didn't happen. 
right? The only place the Spirit of God was in was the Holy of Holies. No one? This is incredible. This is what I believe why he said that he expected Nicodemus to make the connection. I told you this was going to happen. You, God told you there will come a time, so you want to enter the kingdom of heaven, you must be what? It's not about the water. I will sprinkle clean water and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all impurities and all your idols. You will have to be cleaned. When you are born again, you will have to be cleaned. You will, your impurities will have to be washed away. Not only that, I'm going to give you a new heart. Guys, this is the gospel. I'm going to give you, a, my spirit will come in you and make you, this is, this is sanctification, by the way. I will place my spirit within you and cause you to follow my statutes and carefully observe my ordinances. I'm not going to have a law that you have to try to follow. I'm going to change you so that you will follow it. That blew my mind. Because I couldn't understand. Why would he think Nicodemus would know that? Because God had been telling them for so long. And the priests who should know, they should know what the prophets said, right? They should know what they meant. But the priesthood had changed. They had made man-made laws, right? And I believe it might be the other way around with the Pharisees and Sadducees. Go check that yourself. Anyway, they had made man-made laws a part of this. They had made those, they had made the idea, you ready? The religion, the rules were the only thing that really mattered. When God had been telling Israel 600 years before, that's only one of the many times of what he's going to do. I try to tell you, I give you my commandments and you disobey me. I tell you to stay away and by your own effort to be pure, and you won't be pure. So there is going to come a time when I'm going to take that weight off of you because you are incapable of being pure, clean, and following my ordinances on your own. You are incapable. See it, right? Because everything before that, if you go read Ezekiel, he's laying out all the ways which they've broken his law. Now he's saying, you, you can't do it. Even in that, we read Ezekiel and we're like, he's mad the whole time. I don't believe it. I believe in that moment, in this section, the father is speaking to his people saying, you cannot do this on your own. But in order for you to be given the spirit so that you can follow my statutes, in order to be given a heart of flesh, you must be cleansed first. We'll move on to verse 11. He says, I assure you, this is Jesus continuing, we speak and what we know and we testify to, <laughs> who's we? I assure you, I assure you, we speak what we know. Father, Son, Holy Ghost. There's an implication here, right? We. We speak what we know and we testify to what we've seen, but you do not accept our testimony. <laughs> All right. If I had told you about the things that happen on earth. If I have told you about the things that happen on earth and you don't believe, how will you believe if I tell you about things of heaven? <laughs> I know, Christian earmuffs. If I go heal someone's broken leg, if I tell you what's going to happen on this earth and you, don't, you still don't believe, I've prophesied to you, remember this reference to Ezekiel, I've told you multiple times what's going to happen to your people and you still don't believe, you're not going to believe me when I tell you how it works. 
13, this is interesting. No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. Why is he saying this? Well, let's go back, right? Remember the wind blows where it pleases and you hear its sound? Quit trying to rationalize this and obey and listen to me. If you can't follow earthly laws, if you can't follow these ordinances on your own, how are you going to understand if I tried to tell you of the things of heaven? So he says, no one has ascended in heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. So what do we know there? Who's the Son of Man? Capitalized. Who is it? Jesus. <laughs> right there he's telling them, you know, no one has ascended into heaven. No one's been to heaven except the one who has come from heaven, me. No. That part he's not. And this part's interesting. Remember, he's doing this because he understands the reference. Nicodemus would have made this connection better than we would have. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. Do you know the story of Moses and the snake? Right? I almost don't want to tell you, so you go read it. But essentially, this, this golden snake is raised in the air, and, and these people are dying, and, and he tells them to make it, and have the people look at it, hold it above, and if they look at it, they won't die. That sounds so crazy. Why? You think it's about the snake? There's symbolism stuff. You think it's about the gold? No, it's about the faith. Right? You want me to really hit you? I've been picking on marriages lately because that's our next series. I'm very excited. You should come. Anyway, you say that you believe, right? You say you believe, but you won't love your wife when she doesn't do what you want? Guys, you know I'm used to challenging. I had to do it first. Ladies, you love God? But you have to understand how to respect him. you got to be loved first. You have to understand before you will obey because it doesn't make sense to you. So then someone says, look at a golden snake and you'll live. Why would I look at a golden snake? You're dead. I'm telling you, we look at these people and you act like we are them. I don't go to church because it doesn't make sense. I get me too. This is important. I've been told that I have to connect with you by making sure you know that I too am a sinner. I know that probably shocks you, but I also struggle with this at times, right? Things don't make sense. How can you love your enemies? That's hard for me, right? So that everyone who believes in my eternal life, Nicodemus would have understood the reference. Okay? He may not have put it together yet, but he understood that reference. And then I believe, guys, we know this, John 3.16 all the way through. Most of the time, I don't know about you, is how many of you here forgot that Jesus was the one who said this? Be honest. If you were, if I were to say, you probably thought it was just John writing it, right? It's almost, sometimes you almost think it's at the beginning of the book. I know you do. Me too. And then you come back and you're reminded, it's his own words, which makes it way more powerful. So John 3.16, you all were taught it in your Sunday schools, I assume. Even Todd knew this one. Had no idea what it meant, but he knew it. A little unsafe, Todd. <laughs> For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. <laughs> I love 17 more. I don't know why we don't talk about this. Move. You got, you. <laughs> For God did not send his son into the world that he might condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. I got goosebumps just reading. I don't even have to talk about it. I could just walk off. 
Anyone who believes in him is not condemned. But anyone who does not believe, this is so important, guys. But anyone who does not believe is already condemned. Jump back up. God did not send his son into the world that he might condemn the world. But I don't understand. If I don't believe in you, I'm condemned. That's important. You're already condemned. Your natural state is condemned. You are guilty. You are going to hell. Guys, it's reality. And I'll explain it in a second. We have this mindset that Jesus shows up and he says, believe in me or I'm picking you up and I'm chucking you in a fiery pit. No, you're walking towards the pit. He is telling you how to avoid it. You are condemned already. How could a good God send people to hell? What do you mean? How good of a God would offer you an opportunity to not go? You cannot have free will and not be given the choice. Anyone who believes him is not condemned, but anyone who does not believe is already condemned. But what if you're a good person? Doesn't say it. What if you go to church? Doesn't say it. What if you're kind of in? Like you like Christ and you're sort of in and you believe and you pray every now and then. Guys, remember what I told you before. Unless one is what? Born of water and the spirit. You want to not be condemned. The only way is to be believe in this, the son. But anyone who does not believe is already condemned because he has not believed in the name of the one and only son of God. Any of the people in the plane that are jumping out The only ones that aren't going to die are the ones who take this parachute. That's not exactly what it is, but it gives you an idea of like this is what's happening. We're all marching towards it. And then as we jump, we're like, why do you let me go to hell? (laughs) So he says this, verse 19, this then is the judgment. I bet a lot of you skip through this section. I do. I kind of read it, and I'm sort of like, yeah, that's good. I want to get to more of the good stuff. Listen, this then is the judgment. The light has come into the world. Oh, man, this next verse is so convicting. This next section, I mean. And people loved darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. You know, this this is shown throughout the New Testament, this idea that those who, those people reject Christ, love the darkness because they know that in the light their wickedness is deceived, or I mean is, is exposed. They don't want to look in the mirror because they know what they've been doing. Love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who practices wicked things hates the light and avoids it so that his deeds may not be exposed. I, that's it. You, it takes a humility to have to do the sinner's prayer from a real heart, right? He's using your, our lingo. The heart of the sinner's prayer is it's not a magic incantation. It's not a spell. It's the acknowledgement of the, your wickedness in light of a holy God is acknowledgement that you have not been good. It's so funny, man. So many people say, I'm a good person. You know what has broken my heart? It finally came to me. I had a relative say this to me recently. Why are you telling me that? Why is it so important that you make sure? Who are you really talking to, me or yourself? Because the bottom line is we are all convicted by our own conscience. 
If all we ever did wrong was the thing you're ashamed of, the thing you know is wrong, that's enough. This then is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who practices wicked things hates the light and avoids it so that his deeds may not be exposed. I would rather stay in this dark even though I can't see, even though it's cold and scary, even though I'm in the shame because I can't face what I am. I or I am too prideful to admit it's wrong. I will not compare myself to the light. I'm the standard. I'm the king, and we know that the light's going to reveal us to be what we really are, a beggar. A liar, a thief, an adulterer. That's the point. I'm not an adulterer. Have you ever looked at someone with lust in your heart? Then when it comes to the standard of God, and that's not saying, oh, let me just go do it. <laughs> that's the truth. For everyone who practices way of things hates the light and avoids it, so his deeds might be exposed. Verse 21. Anyone who lives by the truth comes to the light so that his works may be shown. This is so to be accomplished by God. I'm just staring to see if anyone thinks I'm staring at them. Are you awake? I wasn't staring at you, Bree. I kind of was, but not really. This is big. You got to get excited, man. Hear this. Oh, you know what I tell the guys in Lionheart? Rat you guys out. So we have to do all these old challenges that a lot of them get really mad at. <laughs> they do. All right, you do. Don't you lie. I know you get mad. Well, I'm going to do this. All right, you got flat. I get mad. All right, all right. And I created them. Some of them. The truth is, though, I. Always, you know what I said to my guys? I was like, listen, Zach, all my my guys um, that are in my group, Josh. You know, I said what I say the other day. I hope you. They probably didn't hear it, so I'll say it again. I said you already got. It. You're already doing it. You have to do it to pass. So why not get something out of it? You're already here in this room. You're already here. You have to work to get stuff. Critical thinking. All right, moving on. Who knew that teachers were right about some things when they would talk about that? 21. But anyone who lives by the truth comes to the light so that his works may be shown to be accomplished by God. Well, let's compare. Verse 20 says, however, if you live by the truth, they will come into the light so that his works may be shown to be accomplished by God. This is important. So that... This, any good in him, any change, any salvation, any cleansing, any, all of it is only by him. That grace, mercy is by him and him alone. Because only in the light, and I've tried to tell you guys this about the kingdom for a long time, so it's interesting that we're here. I didn't know that when I was doing it. The freedom comes in the admission of what we are without Christ. Because we can let go of earning it. We can let go of keeping it. We can let go of a religious spirit that says, a legalistic spirit spirit that says, gosh, I have to keep the appearance of the rules. You know, I have to do the big ones because that's all God cares about. And it's this pressure. I know people in this room. I can say my name. You know who you are. You live that way. Because you couldn't show what you are. You were taught by religion, much like the Pharisees, right? What had happened? You've been taught by religion. It doesn't, you're never going to feel peace. You're never going to feel joy. You're never going to feel good enough. So at least pretend to be good enough because that's what really matters. And as long as you pretend, then at least the pastor and your friends and your ministry partners will say you're a good person, which might help you when you go to bed, have one more voice other than your own trying to talk yourself into that you're a good person. When it's all based on your acts versus in the light. What do I have to fear anymore? He sees every part of it. So when he says to me, I know, you're mine. I know, it's cleansed. 
I know, it's over. I knew that when I came to you. I know, I know, I know. I love you, I love you, I love you. You didn't surprise me. Because in the darkness, there's always that lie that says, if he knew this, he wouldn't want me anymore. Same reason we don't tell the people in this room that we don't do what the Bible says, confess your sins to one another and you'll be healed. The reason we don't is the deep down truth is, if I show them how ugly I am in the light, they won't want me anymore, just like God. And what God is saying is, no, the truth is, everybody's ugly. Everybody's hurt and broken. And if you will admit that and come to me, I'm in the light, I'm sorry. I have to see the places I have to heal. When you come to me, I will heal you, but I won't force it on you. If you want to stay in the darkness, you can. Guys, I mean, this is the gospel. There's a reason that your Sunday school teacher had you memorize this, because it's the gospel. But not just 16. I don't know why we do that. If you're going to say that 16 through 18, but I love 19 through 21, the, the freedom is... I don't have to. I, guys, I could. God knows every single sin and thought I have ever had, the ones that would make you turn away from me. And He still says that I am clean and holy and sanctified and pure and a son and chosen and beloved and a high priest and all those things. Why? Because my standing with Him is already solidified because it was never purchased, bought, or kept by my actions, but by Christ. That's it. There's freedom. Imagine. The freedom to pursue holiness without the weight of that holiness keeping your salvation. That's, that's, that's a deep thought. Do you understand what I mean? You know, sometimes it's like we have, we want to ride our bike. Right? I, I said this the other day. and So we want to learn to ride a bike. And our dad's there and we're like, we have the training wheels or the rules. And we think, well, I'm a good rider and dad's not going to be mad at me. But if I take the training wheels off, it's going to reveal that I don't know how to ride a bike. And when I fall, my dad's going to come over with a belt and beat me while I'm on the ground. That's what he thinks. That's, that's our, you can say that may not be exactly what you think, but it is. When the truth is, he's like, I'm just going to stand here with you. Have you seen that? Beautiful. I love when I watch dads do that, right? Let me teach you how to ride. I'm going to hold you until you feel good enough to ride on your own. <laughs> Unlike me, who I taught myself by getting up at the top of a gravel hill and riding down. That's a true story. I did fine until it came time to stop. I have scars to this day on my hands to prove that. I was in Silver Lake, weirdly enough, if you're from around here. Anyone who lives by the truth comes to the light. So I have a list for you. This is important, all right? Being reborn. His, history tells us, and we, we get sight of Nicodemus again. History tells us Christian um, tradition says Nicodemus did come to know Christ later on, which is exciting, right? Isn't that cool? That even in this moment when he, he didn't get it, he walked away. Man, it makes me want to cry. That, that, there, that, he, that Jesus was still there for Nicodemus when he came to him again, even if it was in the dark. It was in the morning. It was in the secret. Which leads me to number one. Stop. Oh, that's so tiny, guys. Stop waiting for the right time. Anytime, anytime one comes to Jesus is the right time. Anytime. A lot of times, people in this room, I had a relative, I've, I've told this story many times, someone I love dearly, and I was telling them the gospel. Yeah, I was probably a little too fiery. I didn't know how to do it. And they said to me, yeah, I'll do that. I just got to get some stuff cleaned up first. 
i got to get some stuff cleaned up. It doesn't matter if today you came in here from shooting drugs in the parking lot. It doesn't matter if you just had sex with a prostitute, yeah, that's shocking, out in the field. If today's the day that you come to Christ, that's the right time. It doesn't matter if you come in the dark, if you're, if you're a little awkward and ashamed when you raise your hand, that was me. Hey, who wants Jesus? I put my hand down, and the guy says, if you've heard the story, you don't have to be afraid. It doesn't matter if you come in the middle of the day. It doesn't matter if you come in prison. It doesn't matter if it's on your deathbed. I can't tell how many times I've had relatives say this to me too. So you're just telling me I could just wait until I die? I'm getting ready to die and just say it and go to heaven? I'm like, if you mean it, yeah. Anytime is the right time because the sad truth about that man on his deathbed is he missed out on a truly full life. Now, he has eternal life. He can, but he, he still missed out. You know, that the promise of God is not just for the afterlife, but there are promises here for us. I mean, if you could get some peace and joy, would you take it? Because that's a promise that we're given. Stop waiting for the right time, guys. And that includes, here's the other thing. We have this weird, so we will, many times a church will accept the prostitute, for lack of a better word, the first time that they come to church. And they put their faith in Jesus, hallelujah, and they'll put them on a video and they'll use them for their, their uh, media, their propaganda, I mean their uh, advertising. And when they do that, they're all about it. What happens the next month when she's still a prostitute? Well, Todd, she should just stop. That's, that's the only way she feeds her family. She doesn't understand that yet. Todd, that's ridiculous. It's been one month. Are you kidding me, dude? Are you fully sanctified? So my point in saying that is we have grace for someone until the moment they accept Christ and then we stop after because they should know better. So what do I say? If you're in this room and you're, you're, you've kind of ran back to the darkness, right? We talked about that. You've been playing with fire. You Whatever illusion you want, whatever, and that was illusion, huh? alluding to something, not illusion. Anyway, stop waiting for the right time. Today's the time. He still is the same place that he was the first time you came. And even more so now because you are his child. If he loved you enough to save you in the midst of your sin, how much will he comfort you now that you're his child? Number two, listen, none, <laughs> none can enter the kingdom without being transformed. Um, on mine, it's in parentheses, it says reborn. Okay, it is, okay. Um, it's on the same line. So no one can enter the kingdom without being transformed, being reborn. You can't. You cannot enter the kingdom and be the same as you were before you went in. Well, Todd, you just said the prostitute might be a prostitute. I did. Maybe that's the area where, you know, she, her big area, but she will be different. She will desire to change as she learns. There will be a change. Listen, if you're in this room today and you think you're saved because you know the rules, you're no different than Nicodemus. You can know the rules but not having been transformed. So I say this all the time. Where's the proof? I can't tell you if there's proof. You know the truth. Am I different at all? Was there a moment when I didn't know Christ, and I did, and I can recognize that miracle moment that something changed? I didn't say you don't struggle. I don't say you don't fall sometimes, but was there a change in your heart to be different? You are transformed. That's not an, that's not an analogy. That's not just a cool symbol. It's a fact. The moment I accepted Christ, you can ask Jack, he was there, he's got a haircut, you're bald now. He goes forward, right, and he said to me, how do you feel? I've told this, I feel different. I did. I was weightless. There was a change. You have to be transformed. We see that here. So 
Bottom line is the proof's in the pudding. How do you know? The expectation of perfection is not going to happen on this earth. That is the standard still. You're going to move toward it. That's not it. But is there a change? Now you'll understand the concept of fruit. Is there fruit? It's interesting that sometimes we focus on, well, do they have works of the flesh? Because if they are, they're not a Christian. Mm. No, no, no. We already know that, you know, why would, he, why would Paul tell them, right, in Galatians and other places, that, hey, the works of the flesh are this, and you used to, why would he warn them if, if Christians don't still struggle at times to live out of their flesh? Stop judging a believer by whether or not they have struggles and judge a believer by the fruit of their life. Does that make sense? Stop judging, how about this? Stop judging the apple tree, whether it's been painted blue or has some ugly spots. Does it grow apples? If they're little, that's fine. Is it, is it an apple? Then it's an apple tree. Same with a Christian. Three, Jesus came to die, to die for the sole purpose that you could have the chance to live. And I mean live both eternally, but I mean live now. You know, you're all walking zombies without Christ. That's what we are. You're dead. You just don't know it yet. John 10, 10, you spend my favorite verse. It still is, but I've come to give them life and give it to the full. Everybody's like, that means eternal life. I think he, he, he says eternal life when he means eternal life. I think it meant more even than that. I'm not here to just give you, here's a drip of life. I want to give you a cup that's overflowing, right? He say that in the Old Testament all the time. My cup overfloweth. New King James, right? He came to die so that you, in this room today... Not tomorrow, not next week, not when you're older, not when you're younger. You can't do that. Not any time but now. And you watching at home. Stop worrying about the areas that you don't want to. It's like, well, I don't know if I can give up cigarettes. I don't know. Whatever you ugliness and sin that you've made a mistake, that you need Christ. Number four, what do we take from this? The gospel is based on the love of God. He loves you right now. You mean in this room, if you don't know Jesus, he loves you? Yeah, how do I know? Well, he says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that what? You know it, Sunday school people. Those who believe in him will not perish but have eternal life. I made you all doubt your own ability to know this verse, right? I don't know if it's the exact version. It doesn't matter. Who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That means he loves those people that are his enemies in the midst of their sin. He loves them enough to say, I want to save you. I will come to you when you couldn't come to me. Remember, I will take your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will clean you, but you must come to me. Everybody wants to say, you know, the world wants to say that the gospel is based on judgment. Jesus says, you are, we are judged already. He comes to offer us grace and mercy and life. But it starts with what I've said since the kingdom. Many of you have been, some of you, have been confused about that. Todd, it feels like you want me to hate myself. No. I want you to stop basing your self-esteem on a lie, which is that you are self-righteous, because you're not. You are righteous through Christ, and that is freedom. Number five, every person on this earth is already condemned if nothing changes. Everyone on this earth. Everyone on this earth is already condemned if nothing changes. I already gave you the analogy. So stop thinking God's sending people to hell. God is giving people what they want. I've said this for C.S. Lewis, right? Brandon, you've been reading him. It's nice, isn't it? You may have heard this. I think really what it comes down to is either we say to God, thy will be done, 
Or God says to us, thy will be done. You want separation from me? You want judgment based on your own actions? I will give it to you. The gospel. Every person on this earth is already condemned. Stop trying to overthink. Remember, you don't think about where the wind comes from. You accept it. This is reality. We're condemned. And we know it. You know it and I know it. Let's stop pretending. Even the most, you know, why are you running around telling everybody you're a good person? Because you know. We know the world is broken. We know something's wrong. Guys, right now, if there's ever been a time in our lives that it is evident that this world is wicked and evil and hates God, it's now. Just, actually, don't turn the news on. Take my word on. But if you want to, feel free. I mean, it's everywhere. Do you not see the literal attacks on Christ? The making, there will come a time when lies will be called truth and truth will be called lies. We are in it. To the point and I'm going to offend some of the young folk, to the point that a, a genetic fact can now be disputed. That I can say, there are people, I just want you to know where it's headed. This, look it up. This is, I don't want you to look it up. It's weird. There are people that go, I'm a horse. And they run around and have people put bridles on them. Do you, yeah, we laugh. Do you understand that is the natural course of humanity? That when given free reign, we will continue to pursue more and more wickedness? And why Christians sit back and say, that's fine, because we're loving everyone. No, I'm not saying go out and tell them, you know, hey, you're not a horse, you scumbag, I hate you, I want to kill you, God despises you. But my goodness, it's okay to tell your child, hey, you're not a horse. Hi, right? Daisy, you're not a boy. I'm sorry. I believe you. You feel this confusion, but that's not what you are. Well, no, loving them is accepting them. No, you're, you're literally acting insane when you think that. I'm probably going to get shadow banned. This is what happens. That's a fact. It happens. Certain key words. That's why I say things weird sometimes. You're like, why is he saying that? Because I'm trying to say, like, you know, like the, the book that has faces, right? Because <laughs> I don't want to get, this has happened. You can go watch our views and watch them get spiked. At one point, this is a little aside. I'm already shadow banned. I'll go deeper. Just so you know the world we live in. Talk about wickedness. We had, you go look, um, would have been probably early last year even, right? We had real talk, even our sermons and stuff. We had at one time real talk, we had 20-some hundred people watching that show regularly. We were averaging 1,600 people a week. The week that we finally, and I remember this, I mean the exact topic, it might have been um, certain rights of people's lifestyles. Okay, movements. All I did, all we did, and I'm telling, you go show it, right? We should print that out and show them. Never come back. Last year we talked about a period of time in which people are elected. And just ask some questions. You think that stuff doesn't exist, man. The world doesn't want the truth. They love the darkness. Does that mean that every single person, you know, that runs the book of faces is some sort of demonic person in the sense that they know they're... I, I didn't say that, but if you're not working and living with God, then you are what you are, right? Regardless of whether you know that's who you're working for. <laughs> anyway, we know this world's wicked. <laughs> that was the point. <laughs> Strange aside I just did. All right, number six. God does not condemn anyone to hell. See, I got ahead of myself. He allows people to choose it. That's wild. 
Now, the Calvinists in the room say, no, he doesn't. That's fine. You can believe. At the end of the day, we end up at the same place. Okay? If you think God ordained it, I think mm, I could point out verses to you. It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, we both believe that true believers, right, they'll be there at the end. I just think your version is very cruel, God. Um, God does not condemn anyone to hell. He allows people to choose it. By the way, I'm like two steps from a Calvinist. Really, I am. I disagree on like two things. Number seven, if you don't know what that is, look it up. It's, it's, not, it's really worthless. Um, stop, number seven, stop hiding in the darkness. Come into the light. Guys, that's, that's, that's the last point for today. You'll like this. It's a segue to the end. You can go eat your tacos. Stop hiding in the darkness. You don't have to. If you're in the room and you don't know Christ, I just told you that he said that you have a choice to choose wickedness or choose the truth. And if choosing the truth means, listen, you must fully come into the light. Some of you in the room today, you think that you've come into light because you did this. That's ironic, right? Here, my arms, that's a good side. Take, take a picture of my good side. I don't have one. But if you have one, right, that's not what it is. Let me see you. I have to know what I'm healing. I have to know what I'm changing. Remember, I've got to give you a heart. I have to see you. Now, if you're in the room and you're a Christian, and you've bought into the lie and lived in, here's how to know whether you're living in legalism. Ready? Whether you're living in fear again and have, have bought into this religious lie that like, you won't ever say that you believe it's contingent on you, but here's some feelings. Do, do you feel like you can't pray when you, make, when you sin? And only certain sins, Right? Do you have a list in your head of the ones that are real bad that God doesn't, you know, you're not a Christian anymore? And then you've done one of them, right? But you don't tell anyone. Especially when I say things like, hey, the Bible says if you've lusted in your mind, you've committed adultery, you're, you get torn up. Um, you literally have prayed for your salvation multiple times. Maybe this month. That every time you make a mistake, you feel like you've been told, I've got to repent, or if I die now, I'm going to hell. That's not, that's not how it works. Picture that. That means like you mess up, and he's going to rip your flesh heart out and put a stone in. Is that, that's, that's not in here, right? I mean, that's what it is. That you avoid diving into community because you're afraid they're going to see your dark spots. You hide yourself from people. You've been hurt. And so now you say, no, I can't, I can't, I can't. Maybe when someone in the church, a leader, condemns you or makes you feel that way, it's really hard to deny its truth. And so you go home and it feels so true. That's me. You can be so confident and bold and then some random person wants to say something and I'm like, man, it, ah, you know, am I that? I don't know. Come into the light. You are in the kingdom. You are of the kingdom. He already knows. It's already forgiven forever. Why? How do I know that? Christ said it is finished. So she's going to come play some music very briefly. <laughs> and I want to leave you with this. It's a short little one today. What can we take from this? Well, I told you the, the stuff you've got to face, that without Christ you have a heart of stone, you're wicked, you're dirty, and to be put in the kingdom, you've got to be born again. You've got to be clean. You've got to be cleansed, right? So there's an implication that my sins have to be washed away, and then I've got to be, what, a new creation. Both of those things are accomplished through Christ on the cross. You are cleansed of your former life and you are changed by being given his holiness. And then you are sealed with the Holy Spirit, which will then begin to change you slowly. 
or fast, depending on how obedient you are, I guess. So I'm going to leave you with this. God loves you. Guys, God loves you. But his love is not defined by your way or the world's way. True love is telling someone the truth. True love isn't saying, sure, snort you know, more cocaine. Here, shoot up with hair. Let me give you a needle because that's accepting you. Maybe someday you'll stop. Would you do that for someone you really love? Would you buy something that's killing them? No. You have, you have to know the truth. And it's not about tearing your self-esteem down. No, it's about giving you true esteem given by God, not dependent on yourself. The gospel is found in those short verses. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son that whosoever believes in him might not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be safe through him. That's it. Some of you have probably been coming for a while, and you're honest. If you're honest, I, I've been saying this to friends lately, and I hope I didn't offend them. Like, do you, have you prayed the prayer? Have you acknowledged that? Have you said to God, I know I'm a sinner. I'm sorry. I want what you offer me, Jesus. Or have you been afraid because you don't know how to do it? Come on, I didn't. When these moments when I say there's people around, I'm in the back that you can come pray with, and you won't do it because what? Because you're afraid they might see your darkness? come to me asking me to pray with you to accept Christ, I promise you, I'm not thinking about your darkness. <laughs> I am excited and I'm celebrating because I know that your life is about to change for the better. Not the easier, but the better. Where are you today? You don't have to like me, right? <laughs> you don't have to like the way I said it. Just, then just take the verses themselves. Let today be the day you come into the light. If you're in this room, I don't care how, no, I don't care if you fooled me. Please, tomorrow is not promised. And the moment that we jump off that cliff, whether it's tomorrow or 60 years from now, the moment we fall, is that's the only time it's too late. The moment we take that last breath, and guys, it's not promised. So today's your chance, your divine appointment, your moment again to make this time the right time. We already told you the gospel. We're messed up and we need a savior. That's it. If you want that, if you're willing to say, I'm done hiding, Lord. I'm sorry for what I've done. I want to be in the light and cleansed and given a new heart and be given a, a, a spirit sealed within me that would change me. If you want that, take it today. Come up here and let someone pray with you. That way you don't walk away and go, did I do it right? Because you do that. We do. I would have done that. Come and pray with someone. Put your, put your pride aside. How can you come in the light if you're, you're not willing to come to someone? If you're in the room and you say, I've been living in the darkness, I'm a believer, and you keep wondering why you're struggling with the same thing and the shame and the hurt, but you won't go to someone, God said it for a reason. You don't, it's not the person who, who heals you. Right? It's the, the let go of the pride. It's the saying, Lord, I will do this to be free of it. Coming in the light means I gotta be naked, right? In the light, I will come into the light. So whatever you're wherever you're at today, guys, whether you're one or the other, that's the same God, the one that loves you and has changed you and has transformed you. Let yourself rest in that. Let yourself come into the light. 
and let yourself walk in newness and confidence. Whatever you do, don't leave here the same as you came in because if you do, you're choosing to.